0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. We are very excited. It is our birthday. We are, yeah, we are four and ready for more. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, my dear friends, Philip and Bianca. Unfortunately, Kent hasn't quite made it to the party yet. He's still in Discount Party Warehouse trying to find the last of the little um, loot bag toys, you know the ones, you remember them. Anyway, on with the show, happy birthday guys, how are we feeling? I'm feeling like I'm ready for a
1: party. (laughs) You know those things, the things always hit people in the face and like the party hats. Brilliant. Let's get some streamers happening, let's get all the decorations up. Brilliant, yeah, I'm oh. ready to go, ready to go, we've got a, got a good episode, we're talking about, um, we're talking about birthdays, we're talking about yeah. some, a very nostalgic topic of ours, you'll hear about which one it is um, shortly, and then um, obviously we've got our Bond reviews as well, because it's, you know, it wouldn't be a birthday party without sitting back and watching a film, I mean, come on, that's that's a great way to end the night um,
0: on a party. Exactly, with exactly Kate. right.
2: Cake, cake, cake.
0: Yep, I'm excited, bring it on, bring it on. But yeah. It's wonderful, and we're going to dive right into the celebrations, so take it away, Bianca.
2: Well, this episode is a very special episode. It is Kent and the Steering Team's fourth birthday, and to celebrate, yeah. we thought we'd talk about a bit about just birthdays in general and just some interesting things about them, like the fact mm. that... Sorry, we all, we know that in like quite a few areas of the world, there are many coming of age ceremonies and traditions and all that, but birthdays as we know them today, where we have a party every year, um, they date all the way back to like the ancient Egyptians and the pagan and Celtic eras. So they're the earliest known celebrations that we have. So back in Egypt, when Egyptian pharaohs were crowned, they were crowned as gods and they were birthed again which means like they they were crowned and it was kind of like a rebirthing ceremony um and yeah so their first day every year annually they would celebrate their birthdays and it wasn't marking the birth of a human but more so the birth of a god and that's kind of like the earliest version of a birthday that we have Hmm. um yeah Yeah, i just think it was interesting (laughs) that it comes back from like the birthing of gods. I I mean
1: I just I just would have assumed that at some point someone would have just gone <laughs> Hey, today's the you were born a year ago. Hey, well done. And then like over the years as like someone else <laughs> went, Hey, wow, well done. <laughs> well Steve. done. Like, well hey, ha- congratulations, Steve. It's another celebration of the day that you were born. And then someone being or like even someone celebrating the mother and then finally some just going, Hey, I just uh just wanted to give you a little gift here and you have an early mark from work and here's a gift steve for uh today's the day you were born all right that's just how it went i didn't think it would have been anything to do with some pagan thing or you know celebrating or egyptians and stuff and them celebrating birthdays and stuff
2: well it was (laughs) a really religious thing back in the day to celebrate your birthday so it wasn't it wasn't a big party as it was now. It was more of a spiritual godlike connection. So, like, mm. pagans believe that a person was especially susceptible to spells of either good or evil during their birthday. Um, it's because during your birthday, your personal spirits would make an appearance because that was, like, the time of year that they were about. And it's when you're closer to the spiritual world. And so mm. they kind of, like wished you happy birthday and all that and like or their version of happy birthday because you were kind of powerful back then so you know that was just your time to be the most powerful person you could be so that was a celebration and in the same way greeks used to also believe that everyone had like a protective or a demonic spirit at present at their birth and their birthday was a way of acknowledging that and um acknowledging your relationship with the spirit yeah. that was going to watch you over your lifetime. And so, yeah, you're celebrating your birthday was like recognizing that you were close to this spirit.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Power to yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
2: And my favorite historical fact was the Romans actually brought birthday traditions to the Celts. And the Celts would carve their birthday invites on trees to announce to all of their other people in their village that they were having a birthday party.
1: Oh, oh my God. Cool. So, um, so um, Augustus is celebrating his uh, 12th celebration thing this Thursday. Come and visit us. We're going to be down by the, um, the stones in the circle.
2: See, I know you stones. say Augustus cause you're trying to throw it back to the Celtic sides, but you sounded like every <laughs> prissy, Mum in the eastern suburbs going, oh, Augustus, we're going to just throw him Augustus, just a little shind- just a little it away. Augustus, stop it. <laughs> stop, Augustus.
1: Stop inviting those other kids. We don't want the ethnic kids in your class coming. Just the rich kids and the South Africans.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but speaking of all the ethnic kids, mm-hmm. more fun facts about birthdays. Um, it's kind of, in India, on your first birthday, the tradition is to shave your head.
1: Hmm. I wonder why. Is it, is it going to do, <laughs> I know that Sikhs just grow their hair out and then end up in turbans. Do you reckon it's that part of India ends up doing that? So that way the hairs, the hairs, the hair just from the first birthday, it's kind of like you're restarting your hair now that you're at one. Now we can start counting or letting your hair grow from this length.
2: Well, so it's a Hindu tradition and it's oh, called, okay, it's Hindu. and I'm okay. going to probably massacre this. It's called Tonsha tonsure? Um, I don't know I can't say these words um, definitely <laughs> ma- ma- um, what do you call it massacring the word but it's a ceremony that's performed when they're um, a year old and it's it's kind of so that they can pour the holy water on their head it's I'm not I'm probably getting this wrong but the, I'm pretty sure that the idea is that, they shave the head so that when they pour the holy water on the head it doesn't like get wasted it goes straight on their head right kind of thing um, but yeah that that's that's what i'm assuming it's for but i do know that it's a part of the ceremony where you pour holy water on their head
1: right but i yes. i did not know that i did not know that well done india you d- you have a tradition for birthdays
2: oh they have another one. Oh. so in new oh, yeah. delhi Um, it's not necessarily always birthdays. Sometimes it's like birth months. But um, there is a specific temple shrine called the Baba Umar Durga, again, massacring the words, in New Delhi, where they throw the babies off the temple roof. What? So it's it's not as bad as it seems. Uh, It sounds like you're throwing
1: a baby off of a temple. Continue.
2: (laughs) There's someone down the bottom holding like a sheet. So it kind of works as a trampoline, and they catch the children. Um, but it's still like a 50-foot drop or something. Apparently. Jesus according, according to the details I read, I've never seen the temple It's not so
1: bad. It's just we're throwing a baby off of the fourth <laughs> floor of a building. Just Pretty casually. Much.
2: Just My casually. My God. Doctors don't recommend this. Do not try this at home. But, uh, yeah. Throwing babies oh. off of roofs.
1: Uh, but, but, but... Yes. Why? Someone. Yes. But you know those dolls that the baby dolls that if you like drop them they go ah, like they cry like they get the, like the rat, the baby crying sound voice box in it and if you drop it, it makes the sound. I just picture that sound just just someone sort of hurling a baby off of a roof and then it just like landing on the floor. So oh, I go oh missed it with the net then. And it's going ah, as it hits the ground. Sorry. The
2: only thing I could find about it is a New York. Time. The only thing that I could find about it that explains that is kind of a New York Times article that just said that it was for good luck. Basically, it's to keep the children blessed and good luck. But I don't, I don't understand how throwing them off a roof is going to be good luck. But whatever. That's their. Tradition. I think
1: I think they should throw an adult off the roof and for the same thing to just refresh their luck amount. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, fun one, which I just find funny. Uh, Drew, this is will be you soon, but in a uh, thirty in Germany. 30-year-old single men will sweep the steps of a local church or a town hall to show off how good they are cleaning to hopefully (laughs) entice the opposite sex.
1: (laughs) That sounds like something that someone came up with after they were drunk.
0: All right, guys, Um, give me the broom. Let's go.
2: Apparently, (laughs) i got to start
0: practicing my technique now.
2: (laughs) Well, to make it even funnier, they actually have, like, locals... Like, locals will throw shit at them, like, throw trash at them, just to, like, give them stuff to clean off. <laughs> so, yes, you get thr- trash thrown at you if you're single at 30. I'm going to have to practice
0: using the broom as a lightsaber as well. well I, okay. Yes. I got this.
1: Why yeah. do they, it's not fair that they throw shit at you as well. Like, come on, let you let you do stuff. No,
2: let, let you show them, up let your them skills. clean up.
0: Yeah, but... It can't be easy. They've got to give it some sort of interesting challenge. I'm down. Let, let's go. Just let's go pour to Germany. Like, just pour
1: something on the floor. Like, I don't know, like cake and make you have to clean up the cake.
0: Guys, we're going to Germany in January. This is happening now. Okay, no worries. Oh, yeah, oh wait, borders will be wait.
1: open and we'll be able to go to Germany. Yeah, good plan. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 almost, we I almost forgot. Never mind. <laughs> New plan. All right,
2: so. So new 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 one for uh, it's kind of a bit batshit crazy, in North Korea.
1: Well, enough No said.
2: one is allowed to celebrate their birthday, not ever, but only on the ju- on July eighth and December seventeenth.
0: Why? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's very uh,
0: specific. Yeah.
2: Those said those said dates are very strictly reserved for. Mourning and lamenting Kim Il Sung and Kim Jong Il, who respectively died on those dates. So Kim Il Sung died on the July eighth, and oh. Kim Jong Il July- died on December seventeenth. Um, so you're in those on those days, all North Koreans are self- are expected to. Uh, celebrate the ghosts of their thing that's there and it's wail their and cry day. and
1: yeah okay
2: yeah so they have to wail and cry and weep and gnash their teeth and you know be really depressed and the fun thing is the option that they give you though is if you are born on those two days you are allowed to go to an official office to change your birthday, so there's no conflict Whoa. of interest. <laughs> Look
1: up, guys. Like, jeez. Thank you very much, Supreme Leader, for letting me move right. my birthday.
0: I, I know what Hollywood movie I want to make. I want to make the movie about this, the story of a young a young man or woman who decides they want to escape North Korea for a day to celebrate their birthday. <laughs>
2: Only or day? just someone
1: being like, "Why?" That'd be funny. <laughs> um, so more,
2: more interesting, fun ones is. Hang on, F.
1: hang on, hang on, Bianca. Sorry, I was just picturing <laughs> silence in North Korea, like people just quietly like sobbing to themselves. Um, you know when you see like footage of North Korea, and, like the parade going past, like but the they're big weeping and, and wailing, like, like... <laughs> yeah. No, but but I can just picture like people being quiet, like all like just in their little groups, just sitting like in, in amongst themselves, like on the ground of like sobbing and in the distance in the far far background just echoing throughout the thing like you know if you're like in an empty like kind of place and you hear like a seagull and you hear this seagull kind of echoing throughout the, the, the area yep. I'm just yeah. picturing someone with one of those you know those birthday things that unroll <laughs> just imagine that just echoing across the thing just, just once in the background just
2: and people just being like
1: what was that <laughs>
2: <laughs> Someone celebrating a birthday? Um, death would become of you. Um, it would be your death day too. Yes. But, uh, okay, so a couple more <laughs> is that in Vietnam, traditionally, well now they do have more traditional Western birthdays, for the majority of the country, everyone has the same birthday, which is New Year's Eve. Vietnamese New Year's Eve. Um, they really? all Yeah, so they don't really celebrate birthdays, um, they just celebrate on, them all at once yeah everyone's birthday gets celebrated all at once so on february 1st it's called pet um it is yeah like a vietnamese new year's eve kind of like this chinese new year and every single person just is like yep happy birthday we're another year older happy new year let's keep now, going. i feel
1: like i feel like that's if they grouped all the public holidays together and went, let's just have one big celebration of everything I think not, motherfucker. I'm going to have as many of these different celebrations as I possibly can.
2: See, that's exactly why I want an Australian day and a national day of mourning, so I can get two public holidays.
1: And also also (laughs) for the right reasons, of course, but also because holiday.
2: Well, yeah, right reasons. But I want, like, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? Have another public holiday? Yes, Yes. have another public holiday.
1: That's exactly what we're going to do. Look, I, Um, I would happily have a referendum a public holiday for a referendum of course um to vote on that in fact they should have a public holiday every year once a year where there is a referendum held for something and you can vote on the lead up to it what should be the thing that's talked about at the refer or put it put forward at the the referendum and then it's it's referendum referendum day (laughs) no not a referendum for the referendum like it's almost like you could do like a channel seven kind of Or like Australian Idol style, like vote for your favorite kind of thing. Like people come forward and go, "I want to vote for this," and each year you put forward something for a referendum, and then it becomes yeah, Yeah, then it becomes the way
2: a national holiday for democracy.
1: Exactly, call it the Democratic Referendum Day.
2: So like, okay, so all of these countries they do their own little weird things and all that, but I I think it's kind of interesting that Mm. we all actually do have our own birthday traditions that are unique to us so like in mm. my family we do a giant brunch for all of our birthdays and we'll have pancakes for cake
1: like each yeah. birthday or like one are you group them together
2: no no for each birthday because okay, we're, yeah, we're, cool. we're all pretty well spread out as well no one in my family really doubles up on birthdays i'm the only i'm the only like youngest cousin
1: i'm the only like for yeah no that's true cousins of course yeah no cousins no i'm still i'm still the only one within the first three months of the year oh wow
2: i'm i'm the first one of the year birthday wise yeah oh but oh so on one side of it i'm the first one on the year and the other side of my family who don't really do birthdays we don't really celebrate birthdays much on my dad's side but on my dad's side we've got like Three in February and one in January. They don't count. Yeah, but um, on my yeah, on my mom's side, I'm the first in February, and I get my birthday all to myself, which is fun. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, for each of our birthdays, we do a giant brunch. What do you, do you guys do anything?
1: Yes, I do. Um, for 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 a long time, it was that you could pick your your like, so we'd we'd either go out for a meal or you could pick your meal and you'd have your like the meal that you want for your birthday. I used to always pick um the greek soup drew um of Glomino, Bianca. and um oh, yum. and then so I'd, and then i'd have i'd have that for dinner and then for dessert would be my mum's norwegian pancakes um oh, so it nice. was just like I just, oh, it was just perfect and i'd seriously miss that as a combination like absolutely i think that needs to happen again um that was the tradition we'd also always have i always have the same birthday cake it's an ice cream cake and it's a very childish cake but it's fucking delicious like oh my god it's got like um <laughs> marble kind of ice cream on the inside and then it's got like chocolate crumble a layer of chocolate crumble it's so fucking good um, yeah we used to have all, as kids we had traditions and I'd love to bring it back where we just get all the family friend groups together and it'd be good fun play party games there were kids parties but they were just always on all our home videos it's always the same group at all these different functions and it's always just a different person's birthday but it was just we a big celebration i really like
2: that like we yeah. had a group like that too they were always the best
1: mm.
0: I so like so. um Andrew? my household rather similar you know we you know you get to choose the food um more often than not, we we wouldn't necessarily go out. We'd like to just do something at home, but we would mm. make whatever that person wanted. And we would just go all out and just a nice big feast at home. Um, personally, my cake preference as a kid was always the Coles chocolate mud cake. And I don't know, at some point um, later down the line, as a family, I think we stopped doing birthday cakes and just started getting a dozen crispy creams instead and that became the birthday cake or two dozen if we felt like splurging um but i i think i feel like that was a natural progression because i remember certainly for my eighth birthday when i had a bowling party i had a custom donut cake from donut king shaped as an eight
1: wow that's fantastic
0: yeah, back when, you know, you know, Donut King reigned supreme. I was literally going to say Reign
1: reigned supreme drew.
0: It did though. <laughs> I was going to say that. But it really did and it was so cool and they made birthday cakes in the numbers. It was look, the most awesome thing.
1: Look, this isn't a tradition because I've never had one for myself before. But I remember I was going to have an 18th birthday at McDonald's and I'm telling you I didn't, that didn't happen, but I still want that to happen. Can I still we
2: do your 30th? We both tried to organize it and I looked into, I remember we're this. we to, were actually both very yeah. serious about it, but we looked it up and Macca's wouldn't let us, remember?
1: Yeah, I want to have, I, look, what I want to do is have my, th- let's do my 30th there, um, sarah's idea for my 30th is in fact doing a taskmaster birthday which i think is fucking incredible um but uh maca's birthday but let's just bring someone's token kid along just be like oh yeah it's their birthday and then like just push him to the side we're like the kid's name's philip and everything and we're like no but he's too shy just celebrate on this philip maybe he'll get into it and by the end of the night we'll be like oh well, looks like the kid wasn't into it anyway and give the kid like five bucks and be like okay go home
0: I feel like my kid would happily be in on that.
1: <laughs> we'll just say that Marcus is Philip then. <laughs> yeah,
0: he'd yeah, we'll play call along. Marcus Philip for the day. For the night. But he- like,
1: he's too shy to like want to be the centre of attention. Just do it on Big Philip and hopefully Little Philip will get into it. That just sounds like we're talking about... No, forget it. Let's just... <laughs> Let's just...
2: <sighs> and on that note... Anyway <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Happy 4th birthday to us Maybe we can yes. say Kent is turning 4 And show up to Macca's And go have a Macca's party
1: Oh yes yeah. I think we should Let's do that Yeah uh, Look hey well, Actually Bianca Funny you say that The traditions for Kent's birthday On the show's birthday Is to reminisce And look at this We're reminiscing again So anyway uh, Well reminiscing We're doing stuff Like reminisce Yeah anyway Let's just move along Shall we
2: Honey, can you watch the kids today? I'm heading to the office. So am I. (gasps) What are are we we going to do? do?
0: As life returns to normal, we're all heading back to work. So don't let your kids get in the way. Throw your cares away and let us catch them at away. Our centres are perfectly catered for the planned and unplanned days your children aren't wanted at home. Get out and enjoy your workday, and we'll look after the rest. Just drop off and pick up through our convenient drive-through service, contact free. Thank
1: Thank you, Caraway.
0: Caraway. We care, so you don't have to. So going back to that very first episode of our show, we discussed Coca-Cola as a form of currency. (laughs) <laughs> I guess what we were unaware of at the time was the very interesting financial history of Coca Cola.
1: Yeah, indeed, Drew, you were telling us a little bit about um about this during the week. Uh, it's quite fascinating, really. Um, it, it, you know how it's kind of come along. it, it like it, it blows the mind a little bit.
2: <laughs> Does this like have anything to do with the five the old five cent Coke ads I've seen like around the place over the years?
0: It absolutely does. So, you know, I, I've seen them myself um, in the antique shops over the years and wondered what that was all about, if that was a marketing ploy or what. But funnily enough, Coke actually had a fixed price of five cents from its inception in 1886 right up until 1959.
1: How the fuck do they manage that? Shortly between two world wars, um, something like... I don't know the great depression or something. There must have been a period where there were like um, maybe maybe a little bit of inflation, a little bit of a uh, little bit of movement or something. I don't know. Right? Well, well
0: in 1886, Dr. John Stith Pemberton, creator of Coca-Cola, legend, took his syrup to a local pharmacy in Atlanta, Georgia, wherein it was pronounced excellent and placed on sale for 5 cents a glass. Which is about equivalent to a dollar forty four in twenty twenty. Could you imagine a dollar although-
2: for a glass of Coke?
0: Oh, it hurts. It hurts. Oh. oh well. Look, although most soda fountain drinks cost about seven or eight cents at the time for a six and a half pound um six and a half ounce glass, um, Coca Cola chose five cents and specifically marketed itself as an affordable option. Now, Pemberton sold his remaining stake in it to a man named Asa Candler in 1888. Candler went on to found the Coca-Cola Company in 1892. In 1899, though, two lawyers from Chattanooga, Tennessee, approached Candler about the bottling rights. Now, at the time, soda fountains, or as we know them now, post-mix machines, were the main distribution method for carbonated drinks in the U.S., Candler sold the bottling rights to the lawyers for one dollar which he never ended up even bothering <laughs> to collect from them hang on hes
1: so he sold the the rights for bottling coca-cola yep for a dollar
2: was it like a Vatican
1: yep. deal no it just what the basically fuck? so why would you do that why would you sell it for like He literally didn't give a shit?
0: Well, well, his reasoning is still unclear, but the speculation was that it could have been that he just never thought bottling would take off, which, you know, I could see that when soda fountains were still at their height of popularity. Um, It could also be that he was granted the ability in the contract to pull their franchise if they ever sold an inferior product. Only funny catch was that the contract at the agreed-upon price didn't have an expiration date, so he'd essentially agreed to sell Coca-Cola at the same price forever.
2: That's a bit short-sighted. Like, that, that doesn't, you know... <laughs> that's a bit dumb of him.
1: Well, that is, it makes him a fucking idiot. Hang on, so he never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever could do much more with it because he could only really get his money from the fountains even though as we now know bottling it's the but ha- did he never ev- even consider the fact that maybe someone would want to have their drink at another time
2: i guess that wasn't no. a thing back then because diners were popular and at home you didn't really have soda but i yeah. guess so bottling would be more common now
1: but if you're selling yes. the drink you'd want to ha- try and advertise it and push it to as many different ways people having it as possible Right? Yeah, but you... it
2: wasn't it wasn't like it is now. It wasn't like, you know, we all have orange juice in our fridges and shit. No, back then you had milk and water at home. That was it, like that.
0: Yeah, you went out for a drink you and went this out was for something. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, funnily enough, bottling surpassed fountain sales in 1928, and ironically Candler died a year later. But The non-expiring contract meant that Coca-Cola had to keep selling their syrup for the fixed price. The only logical way for Coke to actually turn a profit was to maximize the amount of products sold while minimizing the price to the consumer, hence the aggressive marketing campaign associating their product with the five cent price tag. So that provided incentive for retailers to sell it at that price, rather than have the retailers increase the price and potentially turn a greater profit for themselves.
1: I'm confused, though. Have they ever been able to amend that contract? Like, has that
0: changed? Yeah. So, they were able to renegotiate the bottling contract in 1921. However, costs of rebranding and redoing the entire ad campaign, not to mention the psychological implications of their marketing campaign, were enough to deter them from upping the price. Because they'd spent all this money and all this time and energy and years of going five cents. And then to have to turn it around all of a sudden, they were concerned that they were going to lose money straight off of having to do that. And then on top of that, they had to contend with a rise in vending machines. So at that time, the technology in vending machines was not sophisticated enough to reliably make change so you still needed the exact amount. Coke were worried that people would be deterred if they needed multiple coins, and upping the price from a nickel to a dime, which was the next achievable price with a single coin, was going too high for consumers. To that end, they had to leave the price as it was until the late 1950s, when the technology in the machines was finally able to reliably make change. I mean...
2: I just, it, it's coke though like i just would have assumed that they would have been a big enough like company that they could try and make an alternative
0: you'd think like they they did try never let it be said they were not creative there were two key tricks that they tried the first was to approach the u.s treasury department in 1953. Asking that they mint a seven point five cent coin. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of That's achieving really that. Though. Imagine Coke doing that call, here. Hey, can you make a fifteen cent? I call cent that gutsy. <laughs> I call that gutsy. Bold move, Cotton. They, they tried. They tried. That's but that proved unsuccessful. <laughs>
2: that is so stupid, though. That's like going up. You can't solve your own problem, so you turn around to like the Treasury of the United States and be like, hey. You solve this for me. Just invent a cent and a half. What what's a
0: half cent?
2: A millicent.
0: <laughs> millicent who?
2: Five millicents is a half a cent. <laughs> I know So that, that pr- <laughs> I know I know that you guys think I'm joking, but it's true. A millicent. It's called a millicent. So
1: one per cent and one millicent. <sighs> Cent. so five milliscents t- how many millicents in a cent in a percent 10 so you have so 10 millicents so equals one percent
0: i'm pretty sure
2: yeah.
1: yeah how would you measure <laughs> what, how, how do you measure half a cent no Wait, besides milliscent
2: a, hold on hold on hold on let me just because there's a thousand millicents in a cent there's a thousand milliscents sorry in a dollar that's right a cent, okay. a cent is 100 that's what's called a cent
1: no, and his cent is per cent.
2: Yeah, I know, but it's 100 cents to a dollar, correct? Yeah. Cent means a hundred. Yes. And millicent, I'm pretty sure, is a thousand. So that's a thousand 1, and a dollar, which means that's ten in a, in a cent.
1: Continue to. Yes.
2: Sorry. <laughs>
0: anyway, that proved unsuccessful for them, clearly. The second trick that they tried was actually implemented very briefly. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, I keep imagining really tiny coins like from the Barbie Dream House.
1: Yeah, like little coins <laughs> to go with their, their big scent.
2: Yeah. Like just little like little screwdriver sized coins almost and I'm just like
0: <laughs> huh just gonna Now I'm just imagining in. a big cent and a little cent like Big yeah. Ted and Little Ted. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> And the big cent holding the little cent's hand to cross <laughs> I the road. why I
2: find this so amusing. <laughs> this anyway, broken. sorry, I've broken. Continue, yep. Drew.
0: <laughs> oh, you laugh now. Wait till you hear the next one. Um, this one they actually successfully implemented ever so briefly. However, it wasn't done on a national scale they rigged the vending machines so that one in every nine bottles would be empty the empty bottle was called an official blank this meant that while most nickels inserted would yield a cold drink one in nine consumers would have to insert two nickels in order to get a bottle this effectively raised the price to 5.625 cents again an unsuccessful strategy the overall weight until that's, 1959.
2: That's so their two options was to ask the treasury stealing. to invent a coin for them, or steal, or have a ghost Ste- bottle.
1: It's, yes, it's a, but it's essentially stealing. Like that's that's theft to, to yeah. intentionally rob somebody of, of a coin. Um, I just can't believe that. Hang on. So so again, like what I said before, two world wars and. I mean, during that time, the Depression happened as well. So that's two world yep. wars and a, and a Great Depression. Uh, yep. Like a hundred year span of the price being the same. And now yep. since uh, since since primary school, I remember in primary school getting a 600ml uh, bottle of Coke from the petrol station. And it cost me $2.60 for a bottle of Coke then. And now it's $4.10 from the petrol station, the same petrol station. Um, I remember when without Coke the markup, used to
2: cost you a dollar.
1: Or yeah, 50. exactly. Mm. Coke cans were $1.50 and now they're sometimes $3, $4 as well. Bought, it's ridiculous. I
2: bought a box of Coke purely because I was sick of having to pay 4 bucks every time I ordered it from a takeaway.
1: Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't blame you. So on takeaway, it's $4 for a can, which is ridiculous because a 600ml bottle of Coke at the shop, um, the convenience stores, petrol stations, is yeah, $4.10 or $4.00. Um, four dollars without the markup um and and yet i can actually remember having to scrounge around enough coins for two dollars sixty to buy a coke back then say with Master to I, I
2: remember so i my mom is slightly addicted to diet coke she's not anymore but she was there was a stage where she like had to have like four or five <laughs> bottles a day um so we lived above a corner shop um oh, for a while. my dream And I used to catch the elevator down and she'd be like, can you go get me a bottle of Coke? So I'd go downstairs, grab her a bottle of Coke, come back upstairs. And (laughs) the cash register guy, um, when I first started getting Coke for her, it was like $3 a bottle. And then it was $3.10 a bottle. And then it was $3.20 a bottle. It just kept going up until it was $4. And every time I'd be like, but last time it was this much. And he'd be like, no, it wasn't. And I'm like, yeah, it, yeah was. it was. He's like, no, it wasn't. It's always been this price. I'm like, okay. And the first time I was like, maybe I'm crazy. No. By the end, I realized he kept jacking up the price by 10 cents until it got to $4. And, and he, every time I tried to confront him about it, he'd just gaslight me over it. And I'm like, but I know you should have taken I photos paid.
0: Or kept receipts.
2: Oh. No, because he didn't give receipts. He was a dodgy corner shop guy but Uh, yeah so
1: with just going back to the so again i mean we can see in our own lifetime that the the price going up but but drew just a question for you um i know know we're short on time here but um yeah with the bottling contract or the the licensing was that on the was that was that that the guy would have to sell them the coca-cola at five cents a syrup mix or whatever for them to then bottle or was it was it and then they could charge whatever they wanted to on top of that because they'd already bought the product from the guy and then could sell it at whatever price they wanted to in terms of bottle form not in terms of vending, vending machine form or was it literally just the license to bottle it and but how would they it make the, how would they make ma- their money
0: from the bot the license it was the license to bottle it with the soda so he's selling the syrup and then they bring to the party the bottle and the soda water. So when he did it out of the pharmacy, the pharmacist supplied the, um, the fizzy water mm. and he just provided the syrup and their agreed upon thing was to sell it at five cents. And that's what, you know, gave them each a portion of profit. So when that gets scaled up to the lawyers from Chattanooga... He's still selling the syrup at whatever price would equate to him turning over equivalent. Yeah, yeah. So that they don't disclose, but whatever the price was, it was that that it would keep it at at that level. If the bottling company upped the price, or if the distributor, whoever it was, upped the price, or the retailer. Then Coke would make less profit than the retailer or the bottling company would. Right. So, and so these Coke people because
1: part of the Coca Cola company.
0: No, but because Coke, because Coke can provide the marketing material for their own product, mm. like, like, who else is going to provide it? Um, the bottling company doesn't own Coke. The retailer don't doesn't own Coke, so only so, Coke so can Coke provide would the marketing the material. Price. Coke dictated the price because the only marketing material they would ship out were ones that said Coca-Cola only 5 cents. So if a retailer then had to sell it for 7 or 8 cents, the consumer could go, oh, but the sign says 5 cents, Coca-Cola. Yeah. And if they argued it, they could just go to another retailer who would sell it for the 5 cents. Okay, so that,
1: that's almost clever from Coke then. is uh, It's annoying that they sold the rights to their bottling, but it's clever that they had the NC say on being able to cap what this guy took from them yeah he, they it's kept an it. incredible
0: yeah. recovery for them yeah
1: um and then but so, i guess at some stage they'd have had to have bought that back then for and brought it back under the coca-cola company because surely coca-cola to this day doesn't license or doesn't own its own bottling or is responsible for licensing Na- their own bottling
0: Yes and no. So now the Coca-Cola company does do its own bottling, but it does it out of market-specific branches of the company. So most recently, like, we've grown up always in Australia with Coca-Cola Amatil, yeah. which is based in Northmead, around the corner from my parents. And the factory there, they, they bottle it as Coca-Cola Australia, but they have to buy the syrup from Coca-Cola America The syrup gets brought here, and then it gets mixed here and bottled here. What's the difference
2: then in Sorry, I was going to say, we add our own sweeteners,
0: don't we? We add our own sweetener, but the sweetener is not part of the syrup itself. Okay, that's, that's what I've always wanted to know. The syrup mix is the syrup mix, and the recipe is a set recipe, set out in the US. The sweetener and the soda water... Is done country to country.
2: That's why Everyone they all taste different. That's
0: why we have the best. That is. That's exactly why they all taste different, and we'll touch more upon that. I think next week. Yeah. But there, there is method to the madness, and there is absolutely a reason why that happens the way it does. Ours is
1: absolutely the um the most satisfying after a long hot day. But honestly, going listen to this. The one
2: thing I missed so much living in Europe was Australian Coca Cola. It just tastes <laughs> different. Better. It's better. So good.
1: It's better. Um. Anyway, no, Drew. That was fascinating. Very fascinating. Um. Very interesting. Um. With the Coca-Cola backstory and how <laughs> there's 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 uh, a there's kind of um, you know, g- kind of branching off of the idea of Coke as a currency. Man, Coke. Well, Coke like everything else in this world, it um inflates with time. Um, everything. Not that not everything inflates with time, but in terms of.
0: The fact that they were Currency. able to keep it steady for so long, they their hand was forced at the beginning of the 50s because the company was struggling because they couldn't fight inflation. And That's some, why they had to start then, getting creative.
1: And now Coke is ahead of the curve. Um, yeah, fascinating stuff. Um, anyway, we'll be back after this.
2: And now we're here with another week of What The Quote. Uh, Phil, have you got last week's quote?
0: Greed for lack of a better word, is good. Now, of course, that quote comes from Michael Douglas as the infamous Gordon Gecko in Wall Street.
2: Yes, of course, it does. And, Drew, you actually have this week's quote.
0: Indeed, I do. It goes a little something like this. So, testosterone boys and harlequin girls, will you dance to this beat and hold a lover close?
1: Of course, if you know what that is, quote... If you know what that quote is from, reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the lot. We'll get back to you probably at some point. Anyway, on with the show.
0: And we're back. And of course, it is that time again. It is time for us to dive into James Bond. Now, um, after last week, where we had two different Bonds, we thought we'd do the same thing again this week. Hmm. So each of our films has a different bond funnily enough the first one being diamonds are forever we do see the return of sean connery for one last encore now the blurb for the film is as follows a diamond smuggling investigation leads james bond to las vegas where he uncovers an evil plot involving a rich business tycoon so team, what do we think? Uh,
1: look, I look I I honestly didn't mind the um I didn't mind the whole diamond um part of it or, or, or what what that was. I didn't mind the fact that we had to see Bond um go and collect the diamonds and pretend to be a diamond smuggler. Um and then the whole fight scene in the lift that happened. That was cool. I then appreciated the going to America and then, you know, with the corpse and everything and, and the whole kind of um inside scoop with yep. the CIA and then we saw how it all went when, when he got to the um, crematorium and everything. So that was cool. I really appreciated that. That was really cool. Um, and then I didn't care about the rest of the movie whatsoever because it was pretty dull.
2: You know who I liked? Yeah. Those weird who? guys who I'm pretty sure were gay assassins.
0: The one with the, the, oh God, the mo and the you know, long hair. Yeah. Mr. Winton, Mr. Kid. They
2: were just so random. And I kept like being like, what the fuck do they have to do with anything? And again, I still didn't understand the plot enough to know what they had to do with anything.
0: You know, it's not really surprising because even though they're the main henchmen of the movie, they actually never share a scene with Blofeld.
2: Yep. Oh, they work for Blofeld, do they? (laughs) I genuinely didn't know. (laughs) Of course you don't.
0: Well, they never share a single moment with him in the film
2: oh that makes sense i liked them they were interesting because i just kept watching i felt like they were just their own little plot b and i was like okay cool (laughs) and also i was i i we've mentioned this a few times but i was talking about this earlier um off air the the scene with the scorpion at the beginning i just find it so interesting to watch these older films where they don't have cgi to cgi the animals in and or trained animals or trained animals so I just completely feel like with that scorpion they were like okay we need to film this scorpion to show that we have a scorpion what do we do and they're like oh just let it go and just focus the camera on it and we'll just see if it does anything interesting well
1: and and then we'll drop it (laughs) down some guy's pants who's for some reason doing a root canal check
2: yeah that
0: as you do hold on
2: okay so back to the root canal I didn't understand that like at all i just watched that i'm like how did that work what was he a dentist
0: yeah of sorts
2: like really because it would make sense if you ask a dentist about it but i thought he was a diamond smuggler because if if i was a diamond smuggler and some guy was like can you check my root canal just be like fuck off and walk away like didn't get it at all but they were entertaining
0: Um, I, I I think that this is a movie that is, um, looked at through rose-coloured glasses. Everyone likes to talk about it and, and go, oh, how wonderful it was. It's not that wonderful. I, I find it horribly boring. I think Sean Connery is on autopilot and I honestly find the, um, behind the scenes of this film a lot more interesting than the film itself. And to that end, I actually have a fun little bit of trivia about this for you with a few links and a few tangents along the way. So, your two main Bond girls in this film are played by Jill St. John and Lana Wood. They are Tiffany Case and Plenty O'Toole. Now, while the film was being made, both these women were dating Sean Connery. At the same time. Oh, no. So let's let's let that sink in for a second. Sean Connery, now,
2: you, you've you become Bond too much.
0: Yep. He, he was Bond in every way, clearly. Now, that was in what? The spring of 1971. They were shooting that. Now, let's jump forward to February 1982. Lana Wood's sister was actress Natalie Wood, who mysteriously drowned while on a boat with her husband at the time, Robert Wagner. Also on the boat that night was Christopher Walken. Now to this day, there has not been a confirmation of how she drowned. Nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. So Natalie Wood dies. Lana Wood in the film. Right. Mm -hmm. Three months after her sister drowns, Her now former brother-in-law, Robert Wagner, is dating Jill St. John.
1: Jesus, follows this person who went everywhere, yeah. Go on.
0: Right? Right? So the girls are... Yep. Now, Jill St. John and Robert Wagner had been friends since childhood, and they had, for whatever reason, they had decided to begin a romance. Um... It created a significant amount of tension between the women after they had already had enough tension over both dating and Connery. Yeah, sure. So this, yeah, this is what it is. And eventually Jillson um, John marries Robert Wagner. Then we get to a photo shoot for the Bond girls in September 1999 for Vanity Fair, where an altercation occurs between them. As the photographer asks for a picture of the two of them together, and then reportedly Saint John was so adamantly opposed to the idea that it reduced wood to tears. Um, apparently, apparently the uh, family publicist was the one that vetoed it because Mister Wagner would prefer that his present wife not be shot with his former sister-in-law. Oh, Jesus then we. We'll jump forward a little further to February 2016 when Wood crashed a benefit honoring St. John in Palm Springs and publicly confronted, her, uh, confronted Wagner in front of cameramen over Natalie's death. Jeez. Now, since then, the case has actually been reopened since November 2011 because the skipper on the boat admitted that he had originally lied to police. Now, the thing is, for years, it's always been a bit suspicious over how she died, and to this day, Lana Wood has very publicly said that she believes Robert Wagner murdered her sister.
1: Oh my god, that's a big claim. That's a that's a big thing to do.
0: He's never been convicted of murder, but it's been suspected for a very long time that he did it, and... Nothing's ever been said. Now, Robert Wagner, brilliant actor, we know him best as number two yep. in Austin Powers.
1: Yep. He better not be. I love how
0: this is all connected. I hope he's not, but part of me, I've got this nagging that he just might be because, I mean, it's him and Christopher Walken on the boat, and if I'm going to pick one of them to be the murderer.
2: But what... I'm
0: what, more inclined to think it's Robert Wagner.
2: <laughs> didn't, Ro- didn't Christopher Walken notice Robert Wagner killing anyone? I mean, I've known about this story for a while. Couldn't I've always known about drown. him. Yeah.
0: So it happened in the middle of the night, apparently. Couldn't
1: she have just drowned, though? Slipped o- off the boat? She could have. She could have. Oh, she absolutely could have. But I do appreciate the connection, then, to Austin Powers. I, I do appreciate that. Um... This, this movie, just getting back to, to this movie, also yep. has my favourite continuity flaw of any movie ever. And that is yeah. that the car... Blofeld scene,
0: has hair. The what, sorry? <laughs> the Blofeld now has hair.
1: <laughs> no, that too. That is pretty... Yeah, that, that's definitely one. But no, this one has yep. the car going through the tunnel. Or sorry, down oh the narrow God. laneway. Yes. Yep. Going in on its, On an angle on its right-hand wheels, two wheels, um, up on like in a 45-degree yeah. angle, and then comes out the tunnel at the other end, the other way, on the left-hand wheels, um, at a 45-degree <coughs> angle. Now, I mean, of course, the um, the the uh, continuity directors and, and all that did notice that floor and went, shit, we've got to go and um, al- alter that scene. And instead of like flipping the scene or something like that, instead they shot an extra piece of footage um clearly much later in production where they show a close-up of the cockpit of the car and they show it there on two wheels one way and then they show they they turn turn the camera so that way suddenly it's as if the car halfway through this alleyway swaps sides and it's just the crappest thing i've seen and it's brilliant and it absolutely encapsulates (laughs) this movie
2: um You guys would not be surprised to know, as I said before, I didn't understand what the fuck happened in this film. I kind of got the, you know, there were diamond smugglers, but I didn't know why Bond was involved. There's actually another recurring theme I've realized in these movies, that there's a lot of things that I'm just like, why is Bond involved in this? Like, what does this have to do with British intelligence? Um, That
1: I agree with completely.
2: There's a lot of things. And then I realized it's because he's such a terrible agent, but for some reason they're not <laughs> allowed to fire him. It's kind of like a work cover. The shit. Yeah, they've got to give him something to do. So they're like, yeah, "Just there's someone smuggling diamonds. Just go check this out. Like, yeah. we don't care. It has nothing to do with British intelligence, but whatever. Like, did the diamonds have any code written on them or anything interesting? No, I don't think so. Did they?
0: No. I read, I read a theory the other day that... Not only is Bond the worst agent, but that's why he goes on these missions. Because M is secretly trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. So he sends him on the worst missions possible.
2: I feel like Money Penny's like, oh, you can't fire him. Look at him. What is he going to do if he doesn't do this? Like, he's yeah. just... He's just bad. Yep. Um, Yeah, so Scores... Um, yeah, technically (laughs) because I really enjoyed the scorpion scene. I'm not going to lie. Um, also we, we kind of vaguely discussed that Sean Connery got paid behind the scenes. We discussed got paid
0: 1.25 million pounds. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Um, at the time it was one of the most expensive, I'm assuming one of the most expensive contracts. Yeah. I think, um, And because of that, you can see the production value and the set values in this has dropped. Um, as I was again off air, telling the set that the one of the sets you can clearly see is reused from which yep. movie was it again? Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah, so the gold, the gold, Goldfinger's basement um, is reused in this, and it's just painted silver. And I think Blowfield's in it at one point as well. Um, but, yeah, so that I, I I give it a probably about a 5 out of 10. And 5 is being absolutely generous, and it's because I'm not a shit cunt. Um, <laughs> then plot, I'm giving it a 4, and all four of those points go to the two henchmen. <laughs> I enjoy their scenes. <laughs> yep. not, yeah.
0: Not, not giving one each to Bambi and Thumper. <laughs> yeah.
2: I have no idea what they were doing. That was, like, the worst... We're gonna call you Bambi and Fumper, like it.
0: It was weird. I didn't get it. (laughs) And unnecessary. Drew, go for it. Oh, I'm I'm giving it a four and a four, and I think that's very generous. To be honest, I really don't like this film that much. I, you know what, the four and the four can all go to Shirley Bassey for that fantastic song that I will listen to frequently and just pretend it has nothing to do with this film
1: yeah it's funny i probably should have gone next i'm the same actually i am giving it also a four and a four i didn't really enjoy it i think i've got um i definitely know i have connery burnout at the moment um yep. and you can tell he was just yeah ring it in. he didn't really seem to do much as you said drew on order auto- on, on, on autopilot um
0: it just looks like he's bored of chewing the scenery yeah
1: and, and also just the story didn't really grab me again this is what the one that i was probably the most bored in and i found the hardest to concentrate in i got the first kind of yep. half of the story and then i didn't really know where it went. at one point they wired the phone to be someone else's voice and or something like that and who cares none of it mattered
0: um the only the only moment i actually enjoyed of him was when he came out of the pipe out of the ground yeah, and he said, "So, just going for my walk and with my rat, and then
1: yeah, here I am." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I not much like, happened. Um, the car chase. I did chase
2: like the scene. Sorry, um, where he went through the elaborate way of climbing up the building, and then they were like, "There was an elevator." Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, "That's funny," but that uh, was. I
1: appreciated it. the car chase up until the crappy um. Car going the wrong way down the alley scene, which again perfectly summates this movie. Um, but yeah, yeah. otherwise four and a four. Cool. Let's move on then, shall we, to Live and Let Die.
0: Drew the Best
2: soundtrack ever, and that's my only thing about this movie.
0: Da-da-da. 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 Da-da. Da-da.
2: Da-da. I was so excited yeah. whenever the song came on.
0: I love the overuse of it, to be honest. But yes, let's um let's get into Live they and they Let Die. For it yeah james bond is sent to stop a diabolically brilliant heroin magnate armed with a complex organization and a reliable psychic tarot card reader yeah okay can can we all just agree that bond has now reached very silly levels yes
1: Yes. Just. Because this has nothing to do uh, with MI6 at all. The fact that two other agents were killed previously makes no sense at all. Because in what way does this this guy's technically small-time heroin ring with some weird-ass, you know, technical base... What what the fuck does that have to do with MI6 at all? What national security risk is that? I don't it's get it. It's set
2: in New Orleans. Like, I, I just like... don't
1: understand that. Um... Downside of this movie is that there is only half a movie. The second half of the movie is a wildly unnecessary, super long, pointless boat chase scene with a random, <laughs> you know, small town sheriff who's you know way in over his head kind of thing.
0: So there's only I half hate a movie. the sheriff. <laughs> I wish they'd shot him at the beginning of it I because if I had to hear back. him. If I had to hear him say, bar one more time, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's like, I get it. He's racist the first time. But again, I why didn't did it go, need to hear it again? Why did
1: it go on so long? I, like I said, we only had half a movie. We had like seriously, like 20 minutes of movie taken up by a boat chase, which could have been two scenes. It
2: went can on we, honestly. And on and on. Can we also talk honestly, about this? Is
1: I like
0: the boat.
2: This was the first black Bond uh, girl, like first yep. black Bond girl in this movie, and the poor yep. thing had the worst fucking character. I feel yep. sorry worst for her. Worst
1: dialogue, worst character, you know.
2: What? Yeah, just, worst dialogue, worst character, worst yeah. like i think she got treated even more poorly than any other bond girl which is saying something um oh my god the only thing i liked about this movie is because i was obsessed with like fortune telling and witchcraft and like all that kind of stuff as a kid i really wanted to be solitaire so from that point of view i was like oh this is fun to watch again but then i actually i mean i still couldn't follow the plot i'm i can't follow these plots um But yeah, I couldn't. I didn't. The
1: movie was shit. Dad's one comment about um, Solitaire was, oh my god, she's way too young to be with him. And I just said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think think Dad said something along the lines of, um, he looks like that, it looks like he's her father. So, um, yeah. Also, Uh, the
2: fact that she she, she was a virgin and that was a plot point.
1: And he just didn't seem to, like, he was like, oh, well, all right, baby. that kind of yeah,
2: thing. Yeah, that um, that I was like, oh my god, I didn't realize. that uh, was the This case. is
1: the film Bianca. I'm guessing uh, was it last week or the week before? You mentioned that um, you know Bond is so recognizable by absolutely everybody, and it's true. in the, the entire first oh, half, yeah. oh, sorry, first kind of scenes of this movie um, when he's in all the cabs and everything in New York, in uh, New York City, everybody knows exactly what James Bond looks like at all times, and everyone's in on it. Like, oh my god.
2: It's just yeah. so annoying. He's the world's worst super spy.
1: Let's let's get to scores then, shall we? I think um, you're
0: being generous calling him a super spy.
2: <laughs> I understand why um, Johnny English and Austin Powers and all of those movies are made where mm. they make fun of Bond because Bond is fucking ridiculous.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it almost takes it takes the piss out of itself, but Bianca go go ahead What? Go, give us your scores.
2: I'm giving it a five for plot because, like mm. I said, as a child I liked Solitaire and I still like Solitaire. I just feel bad that she had to sleep with Bond. Um, and then ugh, not much fancy technically happened in this, did it? Mm, no. I, I don't think so. Yeah, give it the a boat five. Chases,
0: the boat chase is a good technical piece. <sighs>
2: is it though? I, is it?
1: Yeah. Well, it's just... It's just... It's literally just a a camera sitting on the shoreline watching a boat go past again and again and again in different ways, different directions. Um, My scores then, I'm going to give it a five and I'm going to give it a four. Um, Five is the technical score because there's not a whole lot that happens. Um, There's the introduction to a new bond um, but not much really goes on. The five... The extra point is, is for the soundtrack, otherwise I'd get a four. Um, oh yeah, again there's only about there's only about half a film in here. Um, the second half of is is an unnecessarily long boast boat chase. Um, and personally I just didn't really get it. I, I think Roger Moore feels too old and he just is now playing proper dopey bond, like really kind of a caricature almost like it's almost like the the creators know that it's ridiculous, so we're going to just send it up, kind of thing. And it's like, well, don't do that, because you. Uh, I thought you want me to enjoy it. But anyway, <laughs> Drew.
0: Um, look, this is the um, this is the one of two times where I'm going to be nice to Roger Moore. Both this and the next one, because anything after the next one, I really just detest him. I, I I'm not a huge fan of him now, but I I will tolerate it. Mm. I, I have very fond memories of this film as a kid, and watching it now, it's a, it's a little slower than I, I recall, and yeah, the boat chase is part of that, but at the same time, I actually really like the technical work of the boat chase, and just the technical work of the film itself. I also love the um, the Mr. Big Kanenga reveal with um, Yafet Yaff- Kodo, where he rips the face off, and stuff like that, so technically I give it a 7 because I think there is some really interesting cool stuff in here. I also like how practical and grounded it was as well in its shoot, given that it's dealing with very not-so-practical subject matter. So, yep. yeah, seven on there, and personally just a seven, and that that is a little bit nostalgic, I, I understand. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I probably would have rated it a lot lower. But there were certain things that I really liked in there as a kid, and a lot of that has carried across.
2: I um, just so, yeah. remembered that I have to bump up the score of personal by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Because this had personally one of my favorite Bond kidnapping scenes in which he goes and sits at the table.
1: And it spins around.
2: And it spins around, and then suddenly the table disappears, and then they just put out the coasters like nothing happened. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. That's, that was great. They should have just killed him there. I'm actually, like, counting all the times that they should have just killed Bond, but they should have just killed Bond there.
1: About four times per maybe. Oh.
0: I also always have a giggle when, um, when Solitaire's on the bed and the bed retracts into the wall on the <laughs> train. Oh, <yeah. laughs>
2: I feel like that's another... The other thing that I am feeling watching all of these is, like, I'm seeing where all of these very well-known movie tropes are coming from. Yeah. Um, that I'm pretty sure I've seen in a dozen movies since of the whole retractable bed kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what yep. that happened there. Definitely. Um, yep. But, yeah.
1: Well, that sound means only one thing. It is time for our sit-kent of the week. Um, this week we uh, have decided to go with the Bond theme, um, I
0: guess, Drew,
1: who is our sit-kent of the week?
0: So, this week, our sit of the week is a man by the name of Maurice Binder. Now, many of you don't know who he is, but you've absolutely seen his work. Maurice Binder was a film title designer, and he is most famous for designing the gun barrel opening of the James Bond films, as well as doing the entire title sequence for many, many, many of the original Bond films. He did from Dr. No through to License to Kill. There are a handful of them in there that he missed because of shooting conflicts or whatever, but the majority of those, they're him. Now, Binder described the genesis of the gun barrel sequence in the last interview he recorded before he died in 1991. He said, That was something I did in a hurry, because I had to get to a meeting with the producers in 20 minutes. I just happened to have little white price tag stickers. I thought I'd use them as gunshots across the screen. We'd have James Bond walk through and fire, at which point blood comes down on screen. That was about a 20-minute storyboard I did, and they said, This looks great. So there you have it. That's how it came to be. The gun barrel. That's the that's job real. I want
1: to be. I I want to have the job of um, film title designer. I do too. it, it is really cool
0: and that
1: actually. Yeah, I know. I would no. I I would love to be that. That'd be brilliant. But um, awesome, Maurice. Uh, you are our second of the week for this week because yeah, we were discussing it off air and we thought that that was really cool and and we enjoy that and the fact that that's so iconic as part of the film. Um. So couldn't Marcy imagine
2: would. a bond without a song and a gun barrel scene yeah I mean even no. of Solace
1: where it happens at the end and has happened at, in every film since at the end I believe um, mm. S- Skyfall and, and Spectre but yeah it's, it, it still has to be there it, it has to be there because it is part of it and I remember it was being controversial when it wasn't at the start of it um, but yeah Maurice you are our second of the week and that brings us to the end of the, um, the show Drew thank you as always and Bianca thank you as well
0: thank you Thank both. you, Philip. Thank Thank you, you you, Bianca. Until next week. Yep.